0: Hey guys, just to, um, just to make sure that you're, you're on the page or we're on the same page, uh, you know, uh, around here on Wednesday nights, what we do, uh, regularly and systematically and often is, uh, teach a text, uh, work through a book <clears throat> as you, uh, as you know, uh, we were working through the book of Galatians and we finished, uh, Galatians one with six weeks left, at least before I take a break. And, and I made a decision not to start Galatians two and then have to stop it right in the middle of it. And so, uh, we had these six weeks. And so my, my idea was that since the themes of Galatians one was first of all, the gospel and Paul's determination to defend it, protect it and promote it. Uh, that was one of the themes. And then the way that he did that was his testimony by giving his testimony. My idea was to take those last six weeks and work on two things. We did the last two weeks in what we what I called a, a testimony project. And then we're going to take these last four and, and um, we're going to concentrate on a skill as opposed to data. Now, there'll be data involved. <clears throat> but um, what, what I'm going to try to do is um, uh, enhance skills among Christians... Uh, in our effort to uh, become more intentional with the gospel and to be better prepared should the Lord ever give us a chance to share the gospel. Now, just a brief little history. Um, I I think most of you have heard my testimony before. I became a Christian in 1970. And the first time I really heard the gospel was um, on a September night in, um, in 1970 when Jim Kennedy... A name familiar to some of you, uh, Jim Kennedy, Dr. D. James Kennedy. In fact, he's still on television. He's been dead for about three years, but he's still on television. You can get him on Sunday nights. But D. James Kennedy visited our home, and um, that's where we first heard the gospel was from, uh, from Dr. Kennedy. Um, He then sent us to a place called the Greenhouse, and that's where Susie and I, sitting on the same floor, hearing the same gospel again from Matthew chapter 7, became Christians. But within a month, within a month of our having become Christians, we stumbled, I mean stumbled into a program where we were taught how to share our faith. It was the one that was designed by Dr. D. James Kennedy. Uh, It was called Evangelism Explosion. Back in the 70s, guys, now some of you weren't born then, but back in the 70s, most church historians would say that that, the 70s to the early 80s was a period of real revival in the church. And one of the things that God used was this device that Jim Kennedy developed um, called Evangelism Explosion. It was a way for laity to learn how to share their faith more regularly and more consistently and more cogently. And, and within a month, Susie and I stumbled into this free meal over at the Galt Ocean Mile on the, on the ocean in Fort Lauderdale, and we were, we were signing up to be trained. And so that's what I'm going to give you for four weeks. Four weeks of training on a skill. Now, guys, understand any skill requires some effort. Any skill requires some work. Now, it, you're going to be exposed to it. Whether you put in the work is, is completely up to you. But, um, uh, you know, we went through this in 16 weeks. We're going to go through it in four. Um, but I, at least at the end, uh, you're going to have something at your disposal. I'm going to put something on the table every, every week for four weeks. And we're going to add to that little sheet that's on your table. Um, uh, you should be within reach of one of these. And we're going to add to that each week. And at the end, you'll have something that um, will be the explanation, a systematic presentation of the gospel which I hope will be helpful to you. Um, you'll be the determiner of that, uh, of whether it is or not. But guys, uh, I think, generally speaking, the Christian church has a conscience about how little we share our faith uh, in, in various circumstances. This may help. I hope it does. I, I mean, it will help uh, quiet your conscience, but it'll be a little bit of training in terms of a skill, but that skill in particular has to do with how I can... I mean, you know, so many people, so many Christians are afraid to, I think, um, share their faith because they're so afraid they're going to say something wrong. <clears throat> it's not that they don't want to. It's not that they're not motivated. It's just that they're so afraid they're going to say something wrong. Well, guys, I'm going to give you something that if you will... Um, and and I, very honestly, it requires memory, memory work, memorizing some scripture... Um, memorizing, I think, an outline that could really help you. You know, um, we were told that in World War II, when these guys were using their, in their, in their basic training, they had to learn how to take their gun apart and, and put it back together all in the dark. Um, if you will memorize a simple outline, then if you are ever in an opportunity where you can share your faith, uh, that outline will serve you well. It will, uh, it will keep you from stumbling into just a religious discussion. It'll, it'll, <clears throat> it'll propel you through uh, a start and to a finish about how to share your faith. Now, um, it, the reason I'm doing that is because of this emphasis on the part of the Apostle Paul and the gospel. So that's what we're doing. I hope you understand that. Now, I want to start, um, if you've got a Bible, uh, if you'll open your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, let me show you something that, um, that should uh, weigh somewhat um, significantly on you. Um, um, Acts, I mean, Acts chapter 8, let's start at verse 1. Just three or four verses is all I'm going to read. Um, <clears throat> now, Saul uh, was consenting to his death. By the way, this chapter 7 is where Stephen is stoned. You Remember? That Saul guy right there is the guy that became Paul, okay? Well, Saul was in the room or in the village or wherever the marketplace when Stephen was stoned. Saul was consenting to his death. At that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And there were all scattered throughout the region of Judea, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. You see that? And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made a havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Look at verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Do you see that, guys? Um, the church, I mean, uh, at Jerusalem begins to be persecuted. People run. They run for their lives. Uh, all these people are scattered and went everywhere. The only people who stayed in Jerusalem, you'll notice in verse one, is except the apostles. They stayed in Jerusalem. You see that they didn't run; they stayed there. But everybody else scattered, and those therefore those who were scattered—that's verse four—went everywhere preaching the word. So how was it that the um, that the gospel of Jesus Christ was spread? It was not through the apostles. It was through you. (laughs) Uh, It was not through the professional. It was not through the clergy. It was through people. Um, You know, you've heard that saying about um, let the generals fight the war. Well, that might be true in in, in military strategy, but it's not true in the Great Commission. Um, the, The people who were useful in scattering the and broadcasting the message was I hate this term, I just hate it. Laity. This distinction between clergy and laity, that's something that the Roman Catholic Church foisted upon us uh, with priests and all that business. And you know, we're smarter than you guys and we we can handle the word and y'all just don't worry about it. Well that that clergy lady division has not served us well. But I, I still use the term laity. But gang, <clears throat> um, back in the 70s when Jim Kennedy wrote this thing called Evangelism Explosion, they, f- they made this film. And this film probably was seen more than anything ever seen in Christendom other than the Jesus movie, the Jesus film by Camps Crusade. It was a film entitled Like a Mighty Army. That was about Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. Jim Kennedy, was the, that was the man who came and visited us. And, and the title of the movie was, "A Like a Mighty Army. And what he was saying is that the, the church, the people of God, like a mighty army, was scattered. And they took with them this gospel, and they're the ones that were responsible for such an advance um, and such a spread um, You. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem, <laughs> but the ones who scattered with the message was you. Now, w- with that in mind, guys, um, let me try to help you with a skill. I, I hope you'll find it useful. And if you'll, if, you'll, if you'll memorize some of this stuff, like a couple of verses here and there, um, I- I'm telling you, you'll feel so much more um, stout. When it comes to occasions where you can share your faith, um, Now guys, the, the two things at the top of that page that you've got they're, they're called diagnostic questions. Um, I don't know. Actually, uh, you, you may have heard of Jim Kennedy's testimony. Jim Kennedy was a dance instructor at the Arthur Murray Dance Studios, and he had uh, conducted a, a dance studio class on a Saturday night, got drunk. He was living in Atlanta got drunk and on a Saturday morning <clears throat> um, his radio came on and the, the radio preacher was a guy by the name of Barnhouse. You may have heard of uh, uh, Barnhouse. who was at 10th Presbyterian in Philadelphia. And Barnhouse was on the radio asking him this second question. We'll get to it in just a second. Not the first one, but he was at the, he, the radio came on in the midst of question number two there that you, that you may have in front of you. But the first question is, if you come to the place in your spiritual life where you know for sure that were you to die tonight, that you would go to heaven. Are you at the place where you are spiritually comfortable enough to say that should I die, I will awaken in heaven? Now, you can say it any way you want to, guys. But by the way, um, there are many who believe that uh, an emphatic yes to that question is presumption. Uh, It's, it's arrogant for you to say yes to that question. And, and, and let me say Roman Catholicism is one place. In fact, Roman Catholicism hates this, this whole idea of assurance. Um, But guys, if, if, um, if your salvation depends on your performance, then saying an emphatic yes is arrogance. Because it's saying, I've done enough. Like Michael Bloomberg or Bloomberg or whatever, you know, the, the mayor who said, Mayor of New York. Did y'all hear that? Yeah, surely you saw that. Uh, the mayor of New York said that uh, when, when he gets to heaven, that he's not even going to have to be stopped at the gate. Because he's done so much great for, uh, good for mankind, he's just going straight on in. Well, I mean, if you, if you think that that's what's going to save you, your performance, then, then saying that kind of thing is, is arrogance, Yes. But, ladies and gentlemen, if you're trusting in Christ and him alone and his finished work to say that, yes, my soul is everlastingly safe and I'm certain of it, that's not not arrogance. That's humility because all of it is resting on what Christ did for me, not what I did for him. But, guys, the first question is really kind of um, uh, a preface so that you can really get to the second one because the second one is, is a doozy. And this is the one that awakened Jim Kennedy, and this is the one that, that I have used. And, and I, bet you you've, I bet you many of you have used it. I've used it probably 15,000 times. And you really need to memorize it. Imagine you were to die tonight, and you stood before God, and God said to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? <laughs> Isn't that something? That's a good question. Imagine you were to die tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at the break room with uh, the, the, the man who works in the cubicle next to me, and, and we get into a religious conversation, and he says, you know, I've been thinking about uh, my uh, mortality. And you say, well, imagine you were to die tonight, and you stood before God, and God said to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? If you've ever asked that question before, folks, um, you can't imagine some of the answers that you'll get. Um, When R.C. Sproul was the minister of evangelism at First Presbyterian Church Cincinnati, Ohio, they kept records. They kept records of how people responded to that question right there, the second diagnostic question. They kept records, and it was either 97 or I think it was 97. 97% of the people replied pretty much in the same way. They pointed to something that they were, or something that they did. I obey the Ten Commandments. I help little old ladies across the street. I'm a good person. I have never killed anybody. I'm faithful to my wife. Uh, on and on and on it goes. <clears throat> I was in a conversation the other day when I was working out with a with a man um, who's a who's a nice guy. He's a nice fellow. He's at the center bill and a nice guy, uh, a, a Roman Catholic guy, and. Um, uh, he came and discussed with me that his sister in law just died. She had died of this horrible pancreatic cancer, and, and she was pretty young. She was 60, I think, and she had died. And, and, uh, but he said, I'm telling you, that woman was one of the finest persons I've ever met. I mean, she's the kind of person that, um, uh, you know, if anybody could really uh, uh, know that they were going to go to heaven, it was her because she had done this, 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 and this. And I said, uh, Bob, that's not his name. I said, Bob. Getting into heaven is not based on our performance, it's based on Jesus's. And he said this to me, he said, well, maybe a little of both. (laughs) Well, uh, guys, all kinds of replies to this second question. Uh, What would you say to God? I would say a little of both. Uh, I like that, I mean, you did something, but I did this over here. Or I obeyed the Ten Commandments. Anything, ladies and gentlemen, as you, I hope, already know, that points to who you are or what you've done is a wrong answer. <clears throat> Anything. Um, any, any addition to the finished work of Jesus Christ is, a, is an alteration of the gospel. But that second question helps you get there. It helps you get to the... Um, it, it helps you get to a conversation about, well, you know, that's really interesting. Let's, let's talk about that. Um, and then the, the first thing that, that is mentioned, at least in this presentation, which is, I've called a brief presentation of the gospel, um, is that we talk about grace or heaven is a free gift and it can't be earned and deserved. You know, guys, I memorized that probably in 1970, and I still know it. I mean, <laughs> memorize it once and it'll serve you for the rest of your Christian experience. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, again, I've shared my testimony several times in this church. But, you know, as a college kid, I was, uh, um, I was I'm was loud and obnoxious now, but I was more loud and obnoxious then. But um, uh, an SAE, and I think I said, you know, that, that'll tell you everything, uh, you know, loud, party, drinking, uh, that kind of thing. But I also represented the FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. When you were an athlete at UT, uh, they they really didn't care what you did on the weekends as long as you had that orange blazer on and you could say Jesus. Uh, At least that's my experience. Um, And so I I would go to these places and I would represent the FCA to uh, junior high schools or middle schools or elementary schools or civic organizations. And, you know, I've always had somewhat of a glib tongue. Um, But um, uh, I had one thing to say to them. I had one message, one message. It was Romans six twenty three, just like you see right there. Romans six twenty three, and you know how that goes, don't you? Romans six twenty three goes like this: For the wages of sin is death. You know that. <clears throat> and I stood behind little um, uh, music stands like this, and I looked at those little uh, elementary school students, and I kept saying, "You keep on doing bad things, and you're going to rot, because the Bible says the wages of sin is death." And you know what? That's right. Unfortunately, that's only half the verse. And I didn't know the other half. Um, and when Jim Kennedy came in our apartment that night, he told me the other half of that verse. I had never heard the other half. Have you? Do you know this text? Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't remember, I mean, memorize too many, memorize Romans six twenty three. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And, you know, isn't that tragic? Here I am speaking for a Christian organization, and I've got half of a verse down, and that's all I got to say. And don't even know the other half about the free gift of God is eternal life. And I remember when Jim Kennedy said that in my apartment that night, I thought, you made that up. (laughs) That's not in there. And then, of course, you rip through the Bible, and there it is, right there. I mean, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. (laughs) Heaven's a free gift. you know, of course, most many of you have heard of Ephesians two eight nine. 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not none of yourselves. It's the gift of God. You know, so the first thing that, 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 that I'm going to say to somebody who's going to be listening to me, if they, if, they, if they will listen to me, is I'm going to tell them that, um, that heaven's a free gift. Now, our culture uh, uh, hates that idea. Uh, our culture is everything that you get, you work for. You earn it. You deserve it. You, you perform for it. Um, and if you don't perform for it... You don't get it. You know, you put a nickel in and you expect the nickel's worth out. And, um, um, well, Proverbs addresses that Proverbs chapter 14 says, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof is the way of death. (laughs) There is a way that seems right to a man. And you know what that way is? It's the default mode of 98% of America. It is. Work your way, keep your nose clean, go to church on Sundays, give a little money, you know, help United Way and 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 volunteer at the at the Salvation Army, and you're gonna you're good, you're good to go. That's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof is the way of death. <laughs> How about that? And the what the reason that the, it's a way of death is because if that's true, then heaven's not a gift. You know, guys, um, um, <clears throat> Mother's Day is. Um, uh, Sunday, everybody got that gentlemen, uh, everybody got that. don't they, uh, you know, I always tell my wife, I will not, I'm not buying you a mother's day present because you're not my mother. You're my wife, but that's not the truth. I always buy her a present. <laughs> uh, she knows better. I, you know, I always talk big, but she always gets something. Um, uh, anyway, but you know, if, if I, I don't know what I'm going to, I mean, she's in Washington DC right now, but, uh, I gotta, I gotta get something before Sunday, and um, if I if I get this gift, and I usually go back here in the resource room and wrap it up myself, and um, and believe me, it looks like it. Um, but I, I, I'm going to walk in. I'm going to I'm going to after church on Sunday. You know, at lunch with me and her mother, <laughs> and her uh, <clears throat> boy, <laughs> joy joy. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to give her this gift. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give her this little package that I've wrapped up all nice and went about and picked out myself. I'm going to give her this gift, and she's going to open it, and she's going to say, darling, that is just absolutely beautiful. I just want that And she's going to say, how much you pay for this? <laughs> and then she's going to go back in the bedroom, get her, her wallet, and then pay me for it, didn't she? She wouldn't dream of doing that, now would she? Because if she does that, then it's not a gift and heaven 's a gift you don 't pay for it you don't earn it you don't deserve it you don 't perform for it. A gift is a gift you know n- not only that, ladies and gentlemen um, if you if you earn it, if you pay for it if you if you buy it, if you buy it then um, then you've got something to boast about remember i I, I, I should have. Go back with me to Ephesians 2 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The last thing you can get away with in heaven is a boast. It's something that that you did. You know, that's why I'm so opposed, ladies and gentlemen, to the whole idea of. Baptism. I'm not opposed to baptism, but a, a meritorious baptism? If, if your baptism is meritorious, then you've got something to boast in. If your confirmation class is meritorious, you've got something to boast in. If your teaching in Sunday school is meritorious, you've got something to boast in. And if you've got something to boast in that you've, you've just unseated Ephesians 2 8 and 9, because it says you're not supposed to boast. Nobody's boasting. Nobody's going to boast in heaven, folks. We're all going to point to Jesus and say, because of him. There's no boasting. Give it up. Um, so, heaven's a free gift. And if it, it's not earned, and if it is earned, then you it's not a gift and you've got something to boast about. Um, and it's not deserved, which... Will take us into next week, but before I I get there, there's two things I want to I want to do just to just to broaden this whole outline. Two things I want you to see, and then we'll quit. Um, first of all, um, I, I mentioned I, I want to show you if you've got our, if you've still got your Bibles open, uh, turn to Matthew chapter seven because this is the text that Virginia Schmidt preached on the night that Susie and I both became Christians sitting on the same floor in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, <clears throat> uh, let, me, let me just read you the beginning of verse 13. Um, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. That was the text now, look guys, I mean, um, two little verses side by side they 're easy to understand, and there's a comparison being drawn a comparison about two two roads look at them one 's wide and one's narrow. One has a lot of people on it and The other doesn't have very many people on it. And then, of course, the last distinction, the last piece of comparison is that one of those roads leads to destruction and the other one leads to life. Gang, um, I I said R.C. Sproul kept those statistics. 98%. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to nail down a figure, but there's a broad road And the broad road is, I've earned this. I've worked for it. I deserve it. I have been a good boy or girl, and I deserve to enter in here. Many there be that find it. There's a way that seems right to a man. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's wide, and it's highly populated, and it will destroy you. Um, and then there's the other one. It's narrow and, um, interesting, difficult. I mean, what nincompoop would choose the difficult one? I mean, uh, why not, why not get the easy one? Um, you know, broad, but no, no, no. There's narrow one is it's difficult, but it's the one that leads to life. And there are only a few who find it. You know, guys, I'm going to tell you one other thing, then we'll quit. I want you to know that you do not need Jesus to be saved. You do not. You do not need a Savior. You do not need a Savior. Um, I can show you how to do it. It's back in Matthew chapter 5. It's verse 48. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. There it is. It's all yours. You, You do that, and you don't need this Savior we talk a whole lot about around here. Just forget it. You don't need that because you're perfect. You know the problem. You, you, you know the conundrum <clears throat> you know where i 'm going. problem is nobody 's perfect, and therefore you need a savior. Um, the whole gospel begins, ladies and gentlemen, by by describing to people that there is a gift it 's a gift, and i 'm telling you it it is countercultural. it goes against every, <clears throat> everything everything we 're taught. Everything that we believe, the, the, the idea that heaven is free, is, is, is mind-boggling to those who have, who have spent their lives trying to earn God's favor. That night that uh, Jim Kennedy left our home, uh, you know, I told you um, when they, Jim Kennedy came with two friends, Jim Bland and uh, Linda Kelly, and um, they asked me that second question. And I don't remember everything that I said in response to that second question. But I remember using the word earn. In my response to question number two, I said that I was going to say to God, earn. It had earn in there. And then, then this preacher says, well, let me quote a verse for you. And he starts off by saying, The wages of sin I got that one I know that one Bubba Uh, you need not worry about me I preach that text and then he gave me the second half but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord it's free Uh, for the first 22 years of my life I don't know about your life but the first 22 years of my life were spent trying to um, to merit everything that God wanted to give me. And I remember going to bed that night and Susie and I had, you know, we'd been married 3 months. We're lying in our new king-size bed that we got for a wedding present from my parents. And um, and I'm stunned. Stunned. And I remember saying to her in bed that night, I cannot believe I cannot believe that something as wonderful as heaven is free. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the essence of the gospel. That what you try to work for, God wants to give you. What you're trying to pay for is only gotten by way of a gift. It's only gotten by way of receipt or receiving. Um, the, The things that we think we're going to do to get it all Add up to nothing. What we've got is a gospel that tells us that heaven is free. So, here's how you start. You memorize two questions. You memorize a couple of verses. And then this. Heaven's a free gift. It cannot be earned and deserved. Get that down. And then, once we've we've mentioned Matthew chapter 5 then that takes us to the second point, which we'll get to next week, and that has to do with what the Bible has to say about our efforts to save ourselves. Mm, it's not real flattering. <laughs> we'll look at it next week. Let's quit. Heavenly Father, um, we're grateful for uh, a message to to share with the world that is so wonderfully so wonderfully simple, but so profoundly God-centered that it is, um, that it has nothing to do with uh, having performed well or even having performed poorly. What it has to do with is the performance of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And because he has done his work so wonderfully... What is available to sinners is a gift, needing no more um, payments to be made, but simply a gift to be received, a gift to be grasped, a gift to be enjoyed. Father, um, equip your people with the simple truths that we've discussed this evening, that they might be emboldened to speak more frequently about who they are and what's happened to them as a result of what Christ has done for us. We love this message, Father. We love this gospel, and it is our privilege to broadcast it. Uh, Forgive us that we have been so silent about it. Awaken us. Awaken us with um, this message to the needs of a dying world. We commit ourselves to that and do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and good night.